There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Good afternoon to one and all. Welcome to The Grill, broadcasting live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Broadcasting live from the rooftop garden down here at Barasti. And game on indeed. In fact, two on for you at the moment. City against Newcastle, Charlton against Sheffield Wednesday. We'll give you a score update in the closing, what, 15 minutes of those whilst we go to air. A little later on, uh, we've got Southampton against Watford. That's the game at 9.30, live down here at Barasti. Uh, before that, though, we are all over the seven o'clocks in the Premier League, four of them for you. We'll also keep an eye on Scotland. Four games up there from seven o'clock this evening. Nine in the championship to add to the one which is ongoing at present. Uh, Alaves against Real Madrid has just wrapped up. We'll tell you what happened down there. Did Real Madrid uh, nick the points away in the early kickoff in, uh, in La Liga? We'll tell you uh, in just a little while. Three more games after 7pm down in Spain. Five games in the Bundesliga for you tonight. It's Brescia against Atalanta from 6pm over in Italy plus French League action gets underway just half an hour before we go off air. Yeah, it might be a bit of a football fest and that's going to keep us occupied as we will let you know when the goals go in, where they go in and who knocks them in. But there's also F1 qualifying taking place down in Abu Dhabi as we speak. It's on the screen down here at Barasti. We've also got stumps in two test matches. Fascinating stories developing in both of those. The Gallagher Premiership is back with a bang as is Guinness Pro 14, top 14. And lest we forget the small matter of an international as well. Wales against the Barbarians. Can someone please explain that one to me? Uh, do get your thoughts through to us on 4001. Have your say online at Dubai I 1038FM, at Dubai I Sports, at Barasti Beach, or get yourself down here and be part of The Grill live from Barasti, where the game is always on. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai I app. Why should you get yourself down to Barasti? Well, basically... Don't be kidding yourself. You're not getting up tomorrow morning, are you? You are off. So you might as well come on down here and be part of what promises to be several days of commemoration, celebrations and much, much more. Uh, on the occasion of the UAE National 48th uh, Day, uh, 48th National Day in the next couple of days, celebrations of which will start in earnest or have started in earnest over the course of this weekend. Uh, it is Happy National Day to one and all listening in. And part of National Day celebrations, obviously it's family, obviously it's friends, but it's also footy, isn't it? Let's have all the Fs if we can, please. Family, fo uh, family, friends and footy all together. So come on down to Barasti and be part of proceedings. What have we got for you? Lots to look forward to. But as always, uh, if you are in the vicinity, do come and join us down here at Barasti where the game is always on. Do come and say hi. We're up here on the rooftop garden. There are food and drink promotions whilst we are on air and no shortage of uh, sport to keep you entertained. Talking of entertainment, who's going to keep us entertained throughout proceedings? Entertained and informed, that is. Mark Archer's back from the kingdom. He's with us here today. Good to have you on board, Archie. Good to see you, Tom. Good to see you, Christopher. It's been a while. And uh, I, won't, oh, I won't be on holiday tomorrow. I'll be on a 1.30 flight back to Saudi Arabia. So uh, looking forward to that. But, uh, should we get the violins out, Chris, shall we? Looking, looking forward to spending the next three hours with you guys. Breaking news from Abu Dhabi, I can tell you that Lewis Hamilton, no surprise there, he's just taken the 88th pole of his career, the fifth of the season. He is on pole tomorrow for the Abu Dhabi Formula 1 Grand Prix. Second place taking place in the front grid will be Max Verstappen from Red Bull. Back in uh, the third position will be Valtteri Bottas from Mercedes and Charles Leclerc 
tops, rounds off the top four. So Hamilton, Verstappen uh, taking the top two spots in tomorrow's Abu Dhabi Formula One Grand Prix. Tom. It's obviously at the end of the season as well, and he's obviously wrapped things up because he's giving an interview uh, on this tarmac down in Abu Dhabi, which is unheard of, of Lewis Hamilton. You very rarely see him speaking to reporters in the pit lane, uh, out on the track or anything. Usually reserves that uh, to the official engagements later on. Uh, one man who will be uh, all too aware of that is the uh, other part of the grill panel today, Mr. Chris McCarty. Lewis Hamilton, OK, credit him. Obviously, extraordinary sportsman. But, you know, he, he takes a little getting used to when it comes to interviews. He certainly does, Tom. Very good afternoon to you. Oh, I say afternoon. You can, t you can tell I'm still stuck in our old timings. A very good evening, should it be, to all of our listeners uh, tonight. And, yeah, you're right with Lewis Hamilton. He is someone who we've debated long and hard about why is he not universally loved. His <laughs> achievements would suggest he should be. He's a six-time world champion. He is closing in on Michael Schumacher's record of, what, 92, I think it is, wins, F1 wins, that is. And for some reason... He has an awful lot of detractors, but he is fronting up this evening. He's a happy man, is Lewis. He has clinched his 88. That is a record-extending 88 pole in Formula One. He is a class act. When it comes to his driving, whether you like him or not, you have to take your hat off and say, you know, as a driver, he's right up there with your Schumachers and your Senna's. Funny that you should say, take your hat off there, because I was just thinking about that. What with uh, Lewis Hamilton has been through uh, a series of interesting haircuts. The latest is the sort of Natty Boy dreads, which are uh, a pullback and a little bit of a man bun, a little bit of a man ponytail at the back. You I couldn't pull it off, Tom. I, I, I certainly couldn't <laughs> have pulled it off, that's for sure. Lewis Hamilton can, uh, with all his uh, uh, follicle aid, I'm sure, along the way. But I wonder if they have to customise the helmet or not for that. It's a good question. Uh, clearly, he has to cut his hair accordingly because you're absolutely right. You've got to wear that helmet. You've got to ensure that you're comfortable yeah. underneath it because it's hot here in Abu Dhabi. It's hot here in the United Arab Emirates. So you can bet your life tomorrow. I know the sun is setting as they start, but he's got to ensure that he's uh, making sure that sweat isn't <laughs> dripping down over his eyes because they are travelling some heck of speeds and he's going to ensure that he can see clearly because he will want, make no mistake about it, round off another successful year with a victory tomorrow afternoon. A uh, quick one about that, and funnily enough, we're going to get onto the football in a few moments' time. I know there are a number of people tuning in saying, what about football? What's happening in the football? We've still got another 10 minutes remaining in the Premier League, in the ch Championship as well, so I'll keep you updated on that one shortly. Oh, but my God, thing... we've got to stop right there, Tom. We have got to stop right there. Oh, my goodness. We might have just seen the goal of the season. I kid you not. I've got goosebumps watching this, and I'm saying that as a United fan. Man City have struggled all afternoon long at St James's Park. We will put you in the picture now. It was one apiece until about 30 seconds ago. Raheem Sterling had given Manchester City the lead midway through the first half. Three minutes later, Yetro Velens, the Dutch wing-back, had equalised for Newcastle. They were more than matching Man City in this match. But Kevin De Bruyne, he is the best player in the league for a reason. And he has just scored an absolute thunderbomb. It is a stunning strike from Kevin De Bruyne. It's headed clear. He takes it on the chest. It's Eric Cantona all of those years ago. It's Tony Yaboa all of those years ago. He chests it down and on the volley it is technically beautiful. He hits it. It hits the crossbar. It comes down into the corner. Dubrovnik no chance. It's Newcastle 1, Manchester City 2 and that, ladies and gentlemen, may well be one of the goals of this evening. Cometh the hour, cometh the man, Kevin Drobonja, your best player in the league.
Let's stick with the football if we can, because what we've got, eight minutes remaining of regulation time. Uh, Newcastle trailing Man City by two goals to one. Let's hear from Pep Guardiola. He's been bombarded with questions uh, ahead of this particular game. Um, a lot of them regarding the title race. Here is Pep on the title race. But in terms of then going on a 14-game run I now, if you, I, if you did the same... I said the same, it's next one. I'm not thinking how many games you have to win. I know we cannot lose games, but... I'm not thinking, honestly, to win the Premier League right now. I never thought even the years when we won. Of course, it's in our mind, but it's now we have to do that. To win the Premier League, we'll be close to Leicester, first of all, and after Liverpool. The target is, when you play this competition every three days, games and different competition, is the next one. Choose the best players as possible for this specific game and try to win. Interesting as well, just watching that goal celebration on the field, but also off the field. Um, I know that we will talk about certain Unai Emery and Arsenal and all the issues there a little later in proceedings. One name that is very much in the fold to replace Unai Emery is a certain Mikel Arteta, who was the first man that Pep Guardiola went to straight after that one. There was a little bit of gesticulation between the two, a little word uh, of encouragement as well. Um, again, he's been asked endlessly throughout the week about the future of Arteta. And I suppose when you've got... You've got a man of Arteta's quality sitting as your number two, your right-hand man. It's very difficult to hold on to him. It, it certainly is, Tom, and I said so on Thursday night's show. There is no doubt in my mind Manchester City have a succession plan. It is Mikel Arteta. You know, I said on Thursday, if Pep Guardiola was to win the Champions League at the end of the season, I know in, in the last few days he's been at pains to point out, I'm committed to this football club, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. I'm not sure I wholeheartedly believe that. I think if Pep was to win the Champions League with Manchester City, he might think it's a great point to move on. I've won the first one, the first one of what he will hope and what Manchester City hope will be many over the ensuing years. Mikel Arteta is top drawer. Everyone that I speak to, Pep himself, over at the Belfry oh, two years ago now, Mikel is seen as a proper, proper coach. Someone that sees the game similarly to Pep. Now, is Arsenal, does that automatically make him the de facto number one choice at Arsenal? With all the problems that that football club has, and I'm sure Mikel is acutely aware of those, he would be a little reticent to leave the job he's got, especially when I'm of the belief, and I think many others are, he will replace Pep mm. one day. So you can understand why Pep wants to keep him, because he is. And you see them. That I've noticed in the last, not just few weeks, few months now, Pep turns to Mikel and seeks his counsel an awful lot more than what I've seen maybe the year previously. So clearly Mikel's importance is growing at the football club. And I would still be shocked. Arsenal might want him. And if they do want him, that might change things. But I'd still be surprised if Mikel was to leave Man City for a job that is the poison chalice right now. Uh, so 85 minutes on the clock in this one. We've just heard from Pep Guardiola. What about uh, the home manager, Steve Bruce? Uh, he's been talking this week about the injury, uh, yet another injury, to Matt Ritchie. We're all disappointed. There's nothing worse for a player than um, when you've had a, a, an operation like he had and then the surgeon decides that he needs to do a little bit more. So, look, we're devastated and so is he. Um, we did give him a period of rest. He went to see the specialist again and had the operation again the next morning. So, um, unfortunately, that's what it is. We hope this time that he's back in training on in early January. It's nothing too horrific, so they say. Um, let's hope. Let's hope this time it's it's done the trick. Back in training early January, what 
couple of months rehab on that as well. Interesting to see whether he gets back in at all throughout the season. Yeah, back end of the season, you were just looking there at maybe a potential penalty for Newcastle, Tom, I can tell you. It is a free kick wide on the right-hand side. But yeah, real shame for Matt Ritchie, of course. Uh, a Scotland international is Matt. He, he's made the most out of his career. I remember when he was at Swindon Town, uh, terrorising defences down in the lower leagues, Bournemouth. It was Eddie Howe that took a punt on him. And then Newcastle spent big money to bring him to St James's Park. And he, he's a wonderful player. He's a bit of a firm fan's favourite there. So a blow, especially given the fact that I think we all expect, and I know there'll be one or two Newcastle fans listening to our broadcast this afternoon. I still think Newcastle are relegation fodder. And by that, I mean, I don't think they might necessarily go down, but I think they are in a relegation battle, despite the fact they've had a decent couple of weeks as we see her. Oh! And just as I say that, <laughs> John Joe Shelby heard me say Come that. The hour. Cometh John Joe. <laughs> Ah, oh, jeepers, the broadcaster's curse right there. Look at these lads down here, brilliant. Look at them. <laughs> <laughs> they could still be relegation fodder, but it's two apiece, 87 minutes on the clock. And I'm not sure whether they're Newcastle fans or Liverpool fans I down there. I think they're Liverpool fans, they were here last week uh, as yeah, well. Yeah, I think they are, because Newcastle have levelled things up. And I tell you what, John Joe Shelby, if Kevin De Bruyne's goal was a beaut, this is equally as good. It's a little short free kick, no one is even noticing John Joe 25 yards from goal. It is rolled to him. We know that he's a fantastic talent. We know that technically he is a wonderful footballer. We saw it as a young man at Charlton. We saw a glimpse of it at Liverpool Football Club. At Newcastle, he shows it on a semi-regular basis. The ball's fed to him. He opens his body up and he just bends it around. Far corner, past the diving Claudio Brava, I think it is, or is it Ederson? I'll double-check that. I think it's Claudio Brava into the far corner. It's Newcastle 2, Manchester City 2. And if this stays the way that it is, Liverpool will be happy, boys. They take on Brighton a little later this evening. We'll give you team news on that one, but it's two apiece, Tom. Two apiece. Uh, it's not two apiece in the championship at the moment. It is the scoreline that we've just seen. Uh, we change uh, just a few moments ago. Charlton are trailing Sheffield Wednesday by one goal to two at the moment. The visitors uh, with the three points in hands at present. However, still another eight, uh, five minutes of regulation time there. Interesting goal scorers as well down there uh, with Fletcher scoring two for Sheffield yeah, Wednesday. Scott. Another score. Scott's yes, on fire yeah, today. Stephen Fletcher's having a good time. It was Macaulay Bonney who scored the leveller for Charlton. And I should point out, it was Ederson. So to make that goal even more special, despite the fact that I know Claudio Bravo is a wonderful goalkeeper, Ederson is very much one of the kind of top five or six in the planet or on the planet right now. And John Joe Shelby has scored a goal. A manna from heaven from the English midfielder. It is two apiece at St James's Park. Man City are a rocking. They need something big in the next few moments or Liverpool with victory this evening just give them the title something about two ones as well that's how it finished down in Spain a little earlier on Real Madrid with all the points two second half goals in fact all three goals coming in the second half in that one yeah Real Madrid a 2-1 win for them and a big win as well and it's not your normal goal scorers for Real Madrid it was Sergio Ramos the skipper who is closing in on a century of goals for Real Madrid as a centre half he was a right back in his earlier years now the centre half now the talisman of Real Madrid it was he that opened the scoring 
former West Ham striker Tom Lucas Perez, who cannot stop scoring for Alaves this season. He levelled from the spot after 65 minutes and just four minutes later, another unlikely source for Real Madrid. It was the right-back Danny Carvajal who got the winner for Real Madrid. It moves then top of La Liga. They are three points clear of their arch-rivals Barcelona. Of course, Barca still have to play this weekend, so they can go level with Madrid with a victory. But all of a sudden, Real Madrid hitting a bit of form. Indeed they are. Talking of form, uh, good form for us to take a short break here when we come back. Uh, we're going to start with a bit of team news ahead of our 7 o'clock. So we're getting team news coming in for the Premier League games. Uh, we'll also tell you what's been happening in the world, the wider world of sport. And keep an eye on other live scores. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on where the game is always on do come and join us for what promises to be a fascinating evening of sporting indulgence Italian Serie A three games down there for you this evening first of which is underway Brescia against Atlanta 90 minutes on the clock no goals in that one Real Madrid taking the points in Spanish La Liga earlier on today two games underway over in the United Kingdom the Championship and the Premier League and it's got Chris Mahardy scratching his head at the moment it certainly has Tom we're into the final 30 seconds of this one St James's Park is the venue. It's Newcastle against Manchester City. If you are just joining us, Liverpool fans out there, you should be rejoicing. Why? Because it's Newcastle 2, Manchester City 2. It does all mean that if Liverpool beat Brighton a little later this evening, nine points clear of your defending champions. Man City have led not once but twice in this match and they've been pegged back on both occasions. A few moments ago though, Raheem Sterling should really have put Man City 3-2 ahead. Kevin De Bruyne pulling the strings. He finds Raheem Sterling in oceans of space at the back post. He tries to be a little cute with it. There is the full-time whistle. Liverpool fans in the background, you will hear. They may be Newcastle fans. No, I'm pretty sure Liverpool fans, they're yeah, Liverpool yeah. fans. There's not many Newcastle lads. fans I know a few out of them. here. They are Liverpool fans. They are punching the air with delight this evening because it's finished at St James's Park. It's finished Newcastle 2, Manchester City 2. That moves City to 31 points. That is six points behind Liverpool. But of course, they have played a game more. Liverpool, they take on Brighton from 7pm this evening. Win that... And they go nine points clear of Man City. It was Raheem Sterling that opened the scoring. Yet Rovellans levelled things up. We thought, we thought Kevin De Bruyne, 82 minutes on the clock. We thought he had won it for Man City. But just four minutes later, John Joe Shelby with an absolute thing of beauty. It was he that levelled things up. It is at St James's Park. It has finished. Newcastle 2, Manchester City 2, Tom. Just confirmation of who picked up pole down in Abu Dhabi. Mark Archer was watching this yeah, one. Yeah, 21st first. Grand Prix of 2019, the final race of the season, the Abu Dhabi Formula 1, of course, and taking his 88th pole of his career, Lewis Hamilton has finished in first. He will be on pole position tomorrow for Mercedes. Max Verstappen, he, he will be second uh, on the grid from the front of the grid tomorrow in his Red Bull. I did report here that Valtteri Bottas, uh, Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes teammate, did qualify third. I did hasten to add <laughs> that he will also start from the back of the grid because he's had too many en- engine issues. He's had to, re- had to replace his engine over, over this week, which means he will slip back 
to, I think, 20th on pole. So coming in at third is the Ferrari of Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel will be three and four and uh, Alexander Albon will be in, in the Red Bull in fifth. So Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, they'll be from the front of the grid tomorrow for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Four games kicking off at seven o'clock for you uh, local time here in the UA in the Premier League, that is. Uh, team news starting to filter through to us. Burnley against Crystal Palace is alphabetically the first of the games that we'll have a little look at. Uh, let's have a quick listen before we hear about the Burnley news from their boss, Sean Dyche. Interesting this one. Danny Drinkwater. Remember him? Danny Drinkwater. Now, apparently, there's been an ultimatum laid down to the uh, Chelsea flop, who's now found himself at Burnley looking to recreate and re, uh, reinvigorate his career. Uh, let's just listen to what Sean Dyche has said about Danny Drinkwater throughout this week. Then we'll get the boys' thoughts. We haven't really seen him, so, you know, uh, we, of course we know him anyway, but yeah. we know what he does in training. We've seen that, but it's, it's the games. You know, that's where everyone gets judged on the games. Um, you know, so I think he's he's just part of that thinking. So, no, I think it's too early to worry about that. We want to see him fit first, um, get on the pitch at some point, and then take it from there. There's an element, I guess, then of him sort of playing to impress you to suggest that he might need another... No, another not really. I think there's an element of him getting himself back on track. You know, I've spoken about the bigger picture to him. Um, he's desperate to play, desperate, you know, working hard, trying to get back fit, trying, you know an incident that can happen and then you've got to recover from that. So, you know, but it's the bigger picture. You know, we're not going to push someone who's not quite there. We're not going to force anything upon them. I wouldn't with any player here, whether they're on loan or one of my players, you know, who's under contract here. So I, I think it's a, a case of appropriate timing, when he's ready, when he's to push. And of course, displacing someone else, you know, because we, we like the midfield players we've got. He knows it's a challenge. He knew it when he came in. He's not managed a single minute of Premier League action for... Sean Dyche since the move from Chelsea one, one million pound move as well six weeks is what I'm hearing he's got uh, six weeks to prove himself yeah. when you've got a manager saying that he needs to prove himself on the pitch and off the pitch you know it's more than just form yeah he's had issues has Danny Drinkwater he ran he, he got in a bit of trouble with the law a few months back as well it's not worked out for him when you consider he was Angulo yeah. Kante's lieutenant. He was alongside Angulo Kante for the side that won the Premier League title for Leicester City. He got the big 40 million, was it? 30 million? 30 million, I think it was, to Chelsea. Didn't work out there. I always felt, whoa, this is a massive move for someone of Danny Drinkwater's standing. That's not, take nothing away from him. He was on the books at Man U growing up. I always felt he did well at Leicester. Chelsea didn't work out. And Sean Dyche demands certain something, doesn't he? He, de he demands certain minerals from his players and clearly hasn't seen enough of Danny Drinkwater from Monday to Friday to allow him to be even given minutes. The fact that you're saying there be his first minutes today. So this is where Danny Drinkwater, he now knows what Sean demands of his players. This is a big opportunity for him today. And let's see if he grabs that opportunity with both hands. Yeah, team news coming in from Turf Moor, I can tell you. Burnley in good form have won their last two games 3-0. That's currently seventh in the Premier uh, League table and really punching above their weight as uh, Sean Dice has got them playing well this season. One change uh, for the team that beat Watford in their last outing, Robbie Brady comes into the midfield for the suspended Ashley Westwood. In goal, Pope, back four of Taylor, Mee, Tarkowski and Bardsley. In the midfield, McNeil, Hendrick, Cork and Brady. The big Kiwi up front, Chris Wood and then Barnes supporting him up the left-hand so side. So after all that, he doesn't even start drinking water. Brilliant. <laughs> I think he's still a long way off let, by all accounts, let, isn't he? Well, he's on the bench. I can he tell is. you that. Okay, I can tell you that Danny uh, Drinkwater is on the bench, and so you expect him to get uh, 
sometime in the second half. Perhaps. Well, let's see. It is a tough game this for Burnley. They go up against Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace, a Crystal Palace side that has punched well above their weight. They pushed Liverpool all the way last weekend. No surprise to see the side that uh, Roy Hodgson has named uh, Guaita. The Spaniard, Vicente Guaita, starts in goals. It's Martin Kelly, James Tompkins, Scott Dan and Patrick Van Anholt across the back four. Midfield three of Chiek Kiyote, former West Ham man, of course, Luka Majolovic and James MacArthur. Then come the two the two men that make this Crystal Palace side that much more expansive. Andros Townsend on one side, Wilfred Zaha on the other, and then Jordan Ayew, who has surprised many, including myself, former Swansea striker. He leads the line, the number nine. So it's a 4-3-2-1, or a 4-3-3 formation for Palace. Should be a good game at Turf Moor. Let's have a listen into Woy, shall we? Woy's been talking this week about <laughs> Ryan Brewster. Uh, uh, Ryan Brewster, youngster up is it, is it Ryan? Is it Ryan, 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 yeah, Ryan. Ryan Brewster yeah, up so at Liverpool. Ryan, Ryan Brewster uh, <laughs> up at Liverpool. He, uh, there's talk of him coming down to Palace on loan Ooh, at the Oh, in moment. January, is there really? Yeah, uh, but apparently uh, Roy has been very quick to point out that if that happens, regardless of the talk around Brewster, regardless of where he's coming from, that's not going to guarantee him starting time in this Crystal Palace team. Well, he's a good player, there's no doubt about that. The only thing that would concern me there is that uh, I don't know quite how many guaranteed games, so if I was going to speak to Jürgen and he was going to talk to me about I want Ian Brewster to go out on loan and play some matches, I'm not 100% certain I could guarantee him that he would be the first name on the team sheet, he would be in competition with the three players we already have who are experienced players and quality players. So I'm not 100% certain that that will do anything other than be useful for us in terms of having another player who could come in from time to time and certainly help us out. But if I was Jurgen Klopp and Ian Brewster, I think I'd want to be going somewhere where I was the first name on the team sheet and I could guarantee that between January and May I'd be playing 20 matches. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Tweet the team at Dubai Eye Sport. OK, we'll talk about uh, the bar bars in a few moments' time. Just want to find out what, how, what's happening in the world of rugby today because we've got our rugby man alongside me. So, Archie, Mark Michael, what can I look forward to? Yeah, club rugby in the Northern Hemisphere taking place. It's Wales taking on the Barbarians. That match has uh, just got underway, Tom, so we'll bring you a score from that shortly. But three matches in the English Premiership. Uh, Exeter Chiefs will host Wasps. Northampton Saints uh, at home to Leicester Tigers and Worcester will face sale. Five matches in the Pro 14, five matches also in the French Top 14. Big result last night for Saracens. Of course, dock 35 points for salary cap breaches, but they um, welcome back some England stars from the Rugby World Cup. Owen Farrell's back, Mario Toje's back. They defeated Bath 25 at points to 12, so they're only 22 points adrift at the bottom of the table now. So it's good news if you're a Saracens fan. Also, big wins yesterday in the Pro 14 last night for Edinburgh and Ulster. Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, Interesting game today. Um, Wales against the Barbarians. Now, given the fact we are, what, still in close memory as to that World Cup rugby final, it seems a little interesting that we've got the equivalent of an international on our doorstep yet again. Wayne Pivak takes charge of Wales for the very first time in an uncapped game to be played at the Principality Stadium. Pivak's predecessor, Warren Gatland, will bed farewell to Wales fans as... 
the Barbarians coach. Uh, Osprey's flanker Justin Tipperich leads Wales in this one, whilst New Zealand-born Scarlet star Johnny McNichol qualifies on residency rules and dons a Wales jersey for the very first time. Ireland Lions hooker Rory Best leads the Barbarians in his final game, while Welshman Nigel Owens has been given special dispensation to referee a Wales game. Can we read into this? This is something of an exhibition match? I would expect so. Every time you see the Barbarians take place, it's always a bit of exhibition about it. They play uh, flamboyant rugby. They like to pass the ball a lot. There's not a lot of kicking. There's not a lot of up-and-unders and box kicking that we saw in the World Cup when the Barbarians play. So it should be an enterprising game. It should be fast. It should be furious. There should be plenty of action. I'm sure Nigel Owens will let the game flow. So looking forward to this. A bit of exhibition rugby to cap off the, uh, the Rugby World Cup, I guess. Um, let's not, though, underestimate the sort of impact the Barbarians rugby and Barbarians rugby uh, football club uh, has on the world of, uh, of rugby. It is a, a club, a unique club that has uh, seen a number of the greats of the game don the Barbarian jersey. Uh, and in fact, we asked one man exactly that question. Uh, friend of the show, friend of the UAE, Brian O'Driscoll, a player that needs little introduction. What does wearing the Barbarians jersey mean to you, Brian? Hi, lads. I was going to say, I hope you're having great crack, but then you're with the Babas, so of course you are. To be invited to play for the club is special. Make sure you treasure it. They're very unique in that they've got no ground, no clubhouse, and membership is by invitation only, so I don't know much more exclusive than that. What do you associate with the Babas? Flair, courage, spirit and passion spring to mind. And remember, when you're pulling the shirt on, it's been worn by some of the greatest rugby players who have ever played the game. And that's the history and tradition you're now joining. I think we all remember this one. Chased by Alistair Scott. Brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. John Williams. Brian Williams. Pulling. John Dawes. Great dummy. David. Tom David. The halfway line. Brilliant by Quinnell. This is Gareth Edwards. A dramatic start. So it's about enjoying the camaraderie of the game, playing attacking, adventurous rugby without the pressure of having to win. It's just fantastic to get to know guys that you usually play against and, and, and beat up every every weekend and now off the field you get to, to share a couple of drinks together and, and get to know them on a personal level. I think the traditions and the, the values why we all started playing rugby and having fun need to be kept and when you come here you, you see that. It brings people from, you know, from all walks of life and 
and everywhere. You even got uh, Tanaka there from Japan. He, he's in the mix, and he, he's a funny little bugger. He's up the back there on the bus, doing his best. Thomas has got it, and he's gone through. Look, beauty. Look, beauty. We invite people from all around the world, wherever we feel we can get people of quality who want to play for us and can mix in with us, and it's this is what makes it tick. I think the first time I got ex the experience of the Barbers, I told them, where's my 10-year contract? I'll sign now, you know. It's a, it's a type of week that really takes you back to your roots and the reason why you started playing the game. Barbars for a reason. I think these guys are all easy to get along with, uh, and that's sort of one of the stipulations to get in the Barbars. Real honour for me. Fantastic opportunity to uh, really get back into the the spirit of the game. Uh, guys from other countries and you know guys you always uh, peg down against uh, every week so now you get to spend time with them you get to know them and actually make friends for life That is what Barbarian Rugby is all about. And the Barbarians back on the field uh, over in Wales uh, against a Wales 15, an uncapped game this one, uh, a little later on this afternoon. One man uh, who knows a thing or two about Barbarian Rugby, one man who's played at the top of the game around the globe, former rugby union player who enjoyed, uh, what, uh, almost near on uh, 20 years at the top of the game with spells at Newcastle Falcons, Toulon Rugby, Northampton, London Welsh, and also, I believe, played against the Barbars uh, is our next guest joins us live on the line Tom May joins us Tom thanks so much indeed for your time this afternoon not a problem thanks for having me did you did you play against them I did I've played against them a few times actually um, it's one of those games where you know they've had a hell of a week in the build up towards uh, towards that fixture slightly different week to any of the international sides would have had in their preparation um, but because of the quality of player that they pick every time they take the field, you know it's going to be, A, a, a great game, but also a really tough test. I mean, in light of where the game of rugby is going at the moment, the professionalism out there, the money that's doing it, changing hands, etc., uh, is it important that we still hold on to tradi traditions like the Barbarians? 
I think so. Look, there's so much about the game that has, has changed over the past few years that if we can keep any sort of uh, semblance of, of what has gone uh, gone on in previous years, then I, then I think it's, it's a great um, testament to that Barbarians club. I think um, uh, you know, we need to keep that we need to keep that going. We need to um, we need to make sure that we we still give those players the opportunity to come together. They've all got different socks on, um, and it's it's a great spectacle, isn't it? The fans know exactly what they're going to get when they turn up, um, and it's a brilliant afternoon. I mean, we heard a rose gallery of players there talking about their experiences uh, pulling on the famous black and white chevrons of the Barbarians. Uh, you talked there about the, the camaraderie uh, for playing for the Barbarians, playing against the Barbarians. Uh, is there a similar sort of camaraderie when you come over to something like the Emirates Airline Dubai Rugby Sevens, a tournament that you've played at several times uh, in the past, and I'm happy to say we'll be playing at again next weekend? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm oiling the joints as we uh, as we speak because it, it doesn't get any easier. Um, I've now hit forty, and and I, I I remember starting on this sort of journey with joining Jack, and and it was I was one of the younger ones. Now I'm not, um, so I know it's going to be a, a tough week. You know, it's a it's a brilliant week for guys that um, you know the barbarians are are generally all still playing, um, but for the guys that have the opportunity to to come together like we do next week for joining Jack. Um, we, we miss, we now miss that as, as players. That's one thing you miss out on once you do retire. Um, so to get back together for a week, um, stay in the same hotel, you know, stay as a, as a close unit. I think that's what we all really enjoy. Of course, we like getting on the field and, and trying to do our best um, to win. But I think, I think it's, you know, those times, special times spent with, with good people, it, they're the memories you take from a sport. Tom, ju- Tom, just looking at the uh, star-studded squad that uh, joining Jacks has put together for this, the 50th Emirates Airline Dubai Rugby Sevens, you've got some big names there, none bigger than uh, former England teammate Nick Easter. How'd you, re- how'd you get him out of retirement? Yeah, he, uh, you know, I used to play against him when I was in prep school. He's a slightly <laughs> different size now, but, um, you know, we, uh, we've got... We, he actually might beat me to the greatest bloke on the on the team. Actually, it was so uh, it's not quite good to have him have him pick. Look, he's he's going to be a great asset for us. I think next week he's um, he's got some fantastic coaching um, experience under under his his um, under his belt over the past couple of years, and I and I think his his playing ability speaks for itself. So, you know, I think with him, Dan Brown and Dean Schofield up front, giving the guy now we got caught out last last year. Is that the guys didn't have a clue how to stop a driving line out. Uh, <laughs> so the, these three um, should know what they're doing in that department because people were looking around at me and say, oh, I don't ask me. I've never put my head anywhere near anything like that. So, um, you know, th- these guys should know what they're doing. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be playing with them again. And Tom, it looks as though you've also recruited a couple of... Uh legends from the from the world of rugby league none more so a couple of australians have made the squad this year a uh, big name in like the likes of robbie farrow what are the aussies and the leaguees going to bring to uh joining jack's squad look i think us as union players when we get the opportunity to play with guys like this i think when you play in union you you, you basically play every saturday which means you're in a hotel on, on the friday night and you used to watch super league uh, and you used to got to get the opportunity to watch these guys um so to have the ability to play with the likes of Pat Richards is obviously um, turning out for his third uh, joining Jack appearance. 
but also the likes of Kirk Gidley this year, Robbie Farrow, Luke Lewis. Robbie Farrow only retired at the end of the season. So um, we'll be expecting a lot of him, by the way. Uh, we, we have a good opportunity to play with, with guys that have you know, a, a great array of skills, but also are pretty tough still, which is probably not something that's associated with rugby union players, to be honest. It's an extraordinary cause that's been well represented at the Emirates Airline Dubai Rugby Sevens. In fact, Emirates Airline have been a shirt sponsor and a key sponsor of the Joining Jack team for many, many years now. 50th anniversary for them. Uh, you're very close to uh, the Johnson family. Uh, are they looking forward to the trip for raising awareness for young Jack and his condition yet again? Yeah, I think so. Look, uh, they do an amazing job in, in raising awareness for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Uh, and especially the charity, um, you know, they've, they've, in fact, I was, I was only just last week commentating uh, on a game between Saracens and Ospreys and Jack and his brother James led the Saracens team out. So, you know, they're doing brilliant stuff week in, week out, no matter where it may be, whether it be across the rugby union or rugby league. Um, and this tournament gives them a real opportunity to sort of spread the, uh, the word about the cause. Uh, spread the word about the condition that, that, that really that they are the forefront of leading the charge to try and uh, find a cure for this. Um, and, you know, Alex and Andy, are, not only are they they doing great stuff for, for the charity, they're, they're brilliant as a couple, brilliant people to, to, to spend time with. Um, and, and it's so good to have Jack and James come as well. Um, he, he reads us the right act, the act every year. Um, every day before we play so adds a bit of pressure but it's all good pressure tom i understand there is a golf day on the wednesday there's also a brunch that people can get themselves down to we're going to post up all the details of how people can get along to that uh, brunch down at uh, or late brunch i should say it starts at six o'clock never heard of a brunch as, as such <laughs> that, that's at six o'clock on wednesday golf before that as well and then of course into the action thursday friday and saturday you know the experience you've experienced it several times before are you looking forward to it is that something you're explaining to a couple of the debutants for this year yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to it. Do you know what? The thing I'm dreading most is the, is the golf. Um, <laughs> the last time I picked up a golf club was this time last year uh, when we had the golf day. So, um, you know, it was uh, it's an interesting golf day. Uh, there's some pretty horrific golf coming from from certainly the rugby players, um, but it's a great it's a great day out that that golf that golf day and and the, and the brunch afterwards is is special. Not only because we have you that's leading the charge. Uh, Tom, which which obviously makes it, uh, but but I think uh, you know we're really looking forward to that. Oh, it's pretty early, I think, on that Friday morning. Got a very uh, early game, Thursday yeah. Morning. <laughs> yeah, it's like the last time I played at that time was about under nine. Um, so so yeah, it, it'll be an early start, decent breakfast, uh, early to bed, obviously the night before, uh, and then um, yeah, we'll get stuck into it. Looking forward to it, Tom. Looking forward to uh, breaking bread with you, my friend. Safe journey over here. Rest up in advance of that one, and then we'll go strong uh, over the course of the weekend. But for now, Tom, May, thanks very much indeed for joining us. Catch you soon. Big thanks to Tom. He's going to be one of the star team uh, turning out for the Joining Jack International Vets team. Uh, an all-star legends team. Looks a little something like this. From Australia, Kirk Gidley. Pat Richards, the Irish-come-Australian, uh, is also in the squad. Luke Dawn, Tom May, Dean Schofield, Robbie Farrer, Luke Lewis, Stephen Ward, Dan Brown, Nick Easter and Paul Watawira. Uh, that is a nice, tidy side for Joining Jack. And if you want to uh, keep up to date with all the Joining Jack moves, 
news. They've got that golf day on the Wednesday. They've got a late brunch on the Wednesday down at Jamira Golf Estates. Then all you have to do uh, is get yourself onto their social media pages. Uh, just search for Joining Jack, interact with them, and you can find out all the details of how you can be part of the course and give to the course. It ain't the only course coming to town next weekend. We know that there's going to be great international players for both the men's and the women's, but also a whole host of uh, former greats turning out for some of the invitational sites. Yeah, we see this year in, year out. Many of the, the, the good and the great of the game of rugby turn out to represent various charities at the Emirates Airline Dubai Rugby Sevens. And Christina Noble is one team that always brings a star-studded uh, bunch of players, former players, retired players, but also guys still playing uh, different forms of the game. So they, they will have a, a team to look out for here. I'm just running my running the mill down their squad, Tom, and the likes of Elvis Surevi, 20 caps for Samoa, uh, also played around the world. He'll be there with the Christina Noble. Mal Dean, Jamie Ringer, uh, Kerry Sweeney, guys that we've heard about playing yeah. international rugby in recent years. Um, so it's, it's one of the matches we always look forward to. We always look to seeing uh, joining Jack's take on Christina Noble. It's always a battle in that division about who gets who at what stage. Will they meet in the final come Saturday? Will they not? Will be pitted against each other in the uh, semi-final stages but there is a lot of really good players so if you're looking forward to mixing it up with many of the good and the great of the game just get on down to the Emirates Airline Dubai Rugby Sevens Rugby Sevens has arrived it's next weekend there are still a few tickets available uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday for your international draw and Rugby Sevens Chris McCarty has arrived in more ways than one uh, why? because uh, often it's my son who's <laughs> tugging at my uh, shirt tail saying dad, dad, dad I need tickets I need tickets I need tickets this year, it's my daughter saying, Dad, 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 you've got to get me tickets. You've got to get me tickets. And I'm like, why? She said, because Greg's playing for Ireland. <laughs> yes, Greg O'Shea. Any of our UK listeners will know exactly who Greg O'Shea is because, of course, he was victorious. Was it Amber Gill? Yeah. I know, it's so sad that I know this. Amber Gill and Greg O'Shea won Love Island. <laughs> Massive TV show back in the UK. And the fact that your daughter is aware of that, Tom, that's mental. I thought you were going to say Kylie Minogue but then again that's for gentlemen your age is she sold out that's very think, good uh, who's she playing for uh, she's uh, playing for no team she's going to be entertaining the masses she's playing on pitch for you too. Archie she's playing yeah, for you yeah she is she's oh, playing for the golden circle ticket don't you worry about that <laughs> she's playing for you and Tom and all the other old codgers out there, let's just hope. Let's just hope it lives up to the ninety-five thousand that she played for at Glastonbury earlier on this yeah, year. Yeah, I could be so lucky. Oh, oh very good. Look at that. You. On that note, we're going to have to take a break to take a <laughs> to take a bit of a breather and mop our brows. Oh. That's two, two from Mark Archer in the space of a minute. <laughs> You're listening to the Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now on Dubai I one hundred three point eight. Okay, so we're gearing up for the 7 o'clock kickoffs in the Premier League. Uh, fascinating one, this one. Not just for me personally, uh, but for many football fans out there, uh, especially those who like to see absolute horror shows in goal. Uh, West Ham are back out on a field. Um, we will first, though, hear from Frank Lampard. Talking at West Ham, a team that he knows very, very well indeed. He's been asked about that a lot throughout the week and whether that would be an emotional uh, moment for him. He did point out that he'd been at Chelsea for about the last 30-odd years or something like that since then, so things had moved on. Uh, however, one little issue he's got to deal with is Tammy Abraham out uh, of the starting squad for today. I understand Tammy didn't train this morning. Are you any clearer on how long he might be out for, the extent of the injury? No, we'll know by the end of the weekend, so he's got some pain. So uh, won't be involved tomorrow, and we'll see by Monday. Are you confident you've got enough around him in that area of the pitch to, for those guys to step up, maybe Giroud, Batch 1? Yeah, yeah, I am. It's, uh, it's a squad game over the course of a season. 
lads have been training well, everybody. No matter how many minutes they're getting, that's what we're trying to bring in here. Every day is a is a work day, so uh, when opportunities come, they're ready. So I've got all confidence in them. Fascinating. But for, let's get some team news first, uh, and then I want to ask Chris a couple of questions about Frankie. Frankie boy, right? It's gone. So uh, Tammy Abraham, as mentioned by Frank Lampard, is injured yet to yet to be diagnosed on how long he'll be out for. But Olivier Giroud makes his first start for Chelsea since August, so he'll be up front. Uh, Frank Lampard makes four other changes. Nongolo Kante moves to the bench as Mason Mount comes in. Tamori and Emerson are back in defence. Pedro also replaces William uh, for his first start since the end of September. So at the back in goal, uh, Kepper for Chelsea. Back four of Emerson, Tamori, Zuma and James. Kovacic and Jorginho in the midfield. Uh, slightly more defensive roles. Uh, Pulisic up the left, Mason Mount in the middle, Pedro up the right, and the, and the target man up front will be the big Frenchman, Olivier Giroud. And Tom, I know you're bitterly disappointed. Why is Roberto been dropped He's, he, made, he made football West Ham look interesting <laughs> <laughs> the good news is he has been dropped if you are a West Ham fan you will know that Roberto and Tom has rightly so cast it you know you've been absolutely fundamentally right in your criticism I feel of Roberto he's had a mayor is what we say up in Scotland over the course of the past few weeks he has been dropped by Manuel Pellegrini so it is David Martin oh. who's oh wow David Martin formerly of Millwall who's come in in his place in goal. Lucas Fabianski is still injured. Of course, David Martin, the son of Alvin Martin, a West Ham legend. It's a back four of Fredericks Balbuena, who comes in for the suspended Issa Diop, Ogbonna and Cresswell. Midfield five this afternoon for Manuel Pellegrini. Anderson and Snodgrass, they're stationed out wide. And then it's the tight midfield three, Declan Rice, Mark Nopal and Pablo Fornals. Fornals coming in for Andrei Yaramalenko. And perhaps the biggest shock of all it is Mikel Antonio. He starts up front for your £45 million man. Sebastian Haller has been dropped to the bench. Whew, let's wait and see. Not really looking forward to no. this one. What about Manuel Pellegrini? Is he looking forward to it? I mean, to be fair to Pellegrini, uh, he has said, and he said from the off, that he wants to fight. He Basically, he wants to fight. question is whether his players will fight for him. I came here to try to grow a step with this club, to try to fight for a spot in European, that is my mentality and we continue with always my mentality. I didn't come here not for the job, not for the money and not for to try not to be relegated. That's enough. For me, it's not the way of working. Of course, uh, we have very good moments during last season. We finished the season very well with 10 points from 12. We started this season very well, so you are, you are always optimist that you, can, that you can do it, that you can improve that... Uh, that step that you need in this club. Uh, so, in that moment, I told you that for that, we need to win the next game. We are not winning in this moment. We must try to recover our performance and always has a win mentality, an ambitious mentality, and not just to be relegated. If you review all, most, most of the last season of West Ham, it's very similar to the position of the table that in this moment. In three, with three points more, maybe we are in the seventh position of the table. So, I think that... Uh, to just to fight for relegation is not my goal here in this club. So I hope that we are going to try to, re- to revert this, uh, these results. Pochettino the week before last. Emery last week. Will it be Pellegrini this week? Although this is a game I suppose they would have looked at and not been expected to win. Yeah. I mean, uh, games on the road... Uh, maybe there won't be a little bit of uh, a room for understanding from the board. Unless it's a, 
a cricket score. I think it's the manner of the defeat if they do indeed go on to lose. If Chelsea have a field day today and it's threes and fours and there is a, a, a kind of palpableness about the fact that the players have maybe kind of downed tools, then of course... Manuel's job. I mean, I like Manuel. I think you do as well, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I think an awful lot of West Ham fans do. I had a couple on off script over the week that were charging at me like raging bulls when I dared to suggest that he's out of a job or at least he's under pressure because he's a good manager fundamentally. He's been hamstrung by recruitment, but then his sporting director is his appointment and he's just not got the best out of a few very talented players. That's the problem with West Ham. Individually, they look great as a team. On their day, yes. There's not many of those days, though. I was just going to say, thinking back, Chris, remember last year, pre-season, we were at the West Ham training ground. Yeah, we were. And they, they, they had the decision. We knew that Pellegrini had been, hadn't been announced yet, but we heard rumours at, at the training facility that he, a big signing uh, coach was coming in, we thought, and we thought it could have been him. And there was a lot of excitement around yeah. the West Ham training facility that Pellegrini, a pretty you know, well-established manager who's done some big things in oh. football was coming to the club it's done brilliant so work. quick question then on that one and i'm conscious of time we will go to the uh, a break in a few moments time and, and, and i'll leave you with an existential question Ooh, uh, I like one. just to take it a bit further um in an occasion like this and, the, and, and it's not alone there are other situations like this i suppose a lot of people could say of of unai emery to a certain degree just how influential is a manager stroke coach these days and when you are when you inherit a squad um, how much can you want to expect to do with that squad? I know that he's he's bought into that squad, etc. But would any other manager out there be able to get more out of the West Ham squad at the moment who just don't seem to be gelling? Is that all down to the management of the coaching? That's a very good point, Tom. That's a very good point. That how much did Unai Emery and how much did Manuel Pellegrini have a say on the players that they're bringing in? A lot of West Ham fans, a lot of Arsenal fans will be nodding in agreement right now. That all being said... It's a results-driven industry. You are paid the handsome sums that you are paid by hook or by crook to get results. And West Ham right now are looking down before they're looking up. And the money that has been spent, and I know it's arbitrary, if you think that a player's worth 45 million, you'll pay it. Is Sebastian Haller a 45 million pound player? Probably not, but equally so, the money has been spent on him. And I look at West Ham right now and, oh, I think Manuel. What I do detest, and he might get the best out of these players, David Moyes. His name oh. is popping up again for both the Everton <laughs> and the West Ham job. It's like, come see on. That, see that Adam Bridge tweet, a tweet uh, in the week. <laughs> uh, I think it yeah. was, uh, if Moyes is in, I'm out. That's yeah. it, I've had it. And that probably sums up a few West Ham fans because Manuel Pellegrini was the dawning of a new age, a new era, we thought. But again, West Ham, Tom, I'd be so frustrated if I was a West Ham fan because the money's there. Okay. She's spending it on dross. So, so shall I tell you my, my Christmas wish list? Oh, you're going to tell West me anyhow. I'm not going to tell you what you have, no. Rafa Benitez. I'm not going to tell you that either. My Christmas wish list uh, for January moving forward, if we have to let go of Manuel Pellegrini, is... Graham Porter. No. (laughs) Pochettino. No. You're never getting Poch. I would like to take take a double from a team, actually. I'd like to take a striker and a manager from a team in the Football League at the moment. However, they're not in the Premier League. I want... Marcelo Bielsa. No, I want Scott Parker and I want Mitrovic. I think Mitrovic would be a go-to man for us in the style of football we play. Scott Parker coming yeah. back home as well. Fans will get behind him. I didn't expect that, They've done that, wonders Tom. with Fulham in the championship so He's far. Got them looking up, yeah. Scotty Parker, wow. I did not expect you to say that. Uh, Scotty Parker would be a refreshing left-field choice, Tom. But unfortunately, with Messrs. Gold and Sullivan, it ain't happening. It will be more of the same. It will be Moisey. 
or it probably will be Rafa if he can be enticed. Or one of the David sons. Or maybe, yeah. Or Karen Brady so or something like that. Karen might get the job. Sullivan's young son as well, who is the man who's heading up, say man, boy, man, who's heading up the women's team. It wouldn't surprise me. There's more likelihood of that happening <laughs> than sense prevailing at the London Stadium. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.